in your presence by the shed blood of Christ. Lord, we pray that you would be honored uh, in our worship of you this day. We worship you with our words and with our songs and with our prayers, but we also worship you with our tithes and offerings. And so we ask that you would bless the gift and the giver and that you would use this money to spread your fame throughout this valley and throughout the world. This we pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Our second reading this morning comes from Matthew chapter 24. I will read verses 36 through 44. Children, let me see your faces, children, children. Raise your hand, children. I see some hands. uh, the, The answer to the question of when Jesus is going to return is in this passage, okay? So there's a little quiz on the way out the door. But concerning the day and the hour, this is Jesus speaking, but concerning that day and hour, no one knows. Not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. For as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day when Noah entered the flood and they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So it will be with the coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be in the field, one will be taken and one will be left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and one will be left. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for calling us out of the busyness of our lives into the quiet of this sanctuary. You've called us from north and south and east and west. You've called us from different stories to take part in your story. You've called all kinds of people to make a new people people who are holy and who are separated for you. And we thank you for that privilege of being part of the body of Christ. 
Lord Jesus, we thank you for your willingness to come into this world, to live the life that we live, to know what it is like to live in the flesh, to live in perfect obedience to the Father, to die a sinner's death on a cross so that our sins might be paid for. We thank you that you loved us. We thank you that you triumphed over sin and death. We thank you that you have promised to come back again to us one day. We thank you also for sending us the Holy Spirit. We ask that the Holy Spirit would be alive and active in our lives. We pray that the Holy Spirit would wet our appetite for the things of the Lord. We confess that we are often attracted by things that are dying, that are passing away, that we often take seriously things that, you know what, are just not even going to be here tomorrow anyway. We pray that you would focus us and draw us back to the things that are serious, the things that are deep, the things that are transcendent. May we live our daily lives in light of eternity. Give our lives meaning in light of eternity. Let us not live for this day, but let us live for eternity. Lord Jesus, you pray for us, and you also want to hear our prayers, and so we do pray to you this morning in faith and in obedience We pray for those who were not able to be here this morning because they're not well. We pray for those who were not here this morning because for whatever reason they feel cut off or alienated from the church. We pray for those who were not here this morning because they're separated by distance. Lord, we pray that you would continue to watch over your flock and draw us not only closer to yourselves, but closer to one another. Forgive us for our negligence of the body of Christ. Help us love one another the way that you've loved us. May we be a witness to the world just by the way in which we enjoy each other's company and love one another. May we love one another, not just in words, but in deeds. May we lay down our lives for one another. Lord, for those this morning who are feeling alone, who are feeling friendless, we pray that we, the body of Christ, would be a friend to them, that you would be present to them in a supernatural way. For those who have bodies that are not cooperating, that are sick, that are weak. We pray that you would be their healing and that you would be their strength. Lord, for those who are discouraged or disillusioned this morning, we pray that you would be their hope and their future. Lord, we thank you for all of the hands that have been at work this week and this morning preparing this service for us, so many people laboring quietly and behind the scenes, people who never get noticed. Lord, we know that you notice. 
We pray that you would bless them in their labors and give them joy as they give joy to us. Lord, we have come here this morning at your call. We have responded in obedience and we pray that you would meet us here and that we would be overwhelmed by your glory. We offer these prayers in the name of Jesus who taught us all to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. By the way, you guys look really good this morning. You, you can't see yourselves, but uh, like if you could come up here one at a time. We could do it. You could, you could see like how good, how, good, how good you look. I know some of you are freaked out that there are other people in the pew with you. Okay, get used to it, all right? It's the way it's supposed to be. There is room in the transepts for, uh, for the introverts. You can hide out over here, okay? Okay, we got the, the, the introverts over here. We got the introverts, okay? You can hide. If you go way over in the corner, like no one will see you, all right? So there's, there, is, there is more room. We can get, a, we can get another uh, 100 people in here uh, easy. So uh, please bring people next week. Once upon a time is a very old and odd idiom in the English language. We like to start our children's stories uh, with once upon a time. And that phrase means some indefinite point in the past. We're not exactly sure when, but before you and I were around, once upon a time, a certain something happened. We know that the thing happened once upon a time because people have been talking about it ever since, because monuments to the event continue to be visible, because the effects of that incident continue to ripple across the surface of our lives. We don't know when, but we know for certain that this thing happened once upon a time. Now, just as once upon a time looks backwards to a definite event at an indefinite time in the past, another English idiom looks forward to a definite event at an indefinite time in the future. And that phrase is, it shall come to pass. Say that with me. It shall come to pass. That phrase appears 120 times in the King James Bible. Each time that phrase appears, it points to a definite event that will happen at some indefinite time in the future. We know that it's going to happen. We just don't know exactly when. On the lips of the prophets, the phrase often pointed to the Messiah, to the great blessing that God will bring to his people when Messiah comes. Isaiah 2, 2, it shall come to pass 
that the house of the Lord shall be lifted up and all the nations shall flow to it. Jeremiah 38, it shall come to pass that I will break his yoke from off your neck and I will burst your shackles. Jeremiah 31, 28, it shall come to pass that I will watch over them as they rebuild and replant. Joel 2, 28, it shall come to pass that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams and your young men shall see visions. Joel 2, 32, it shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. These are definite events that will happen at some unknown time in the future. The prophecy of Joel chapter 2 is the text that the Apostle Paul preached on the day of Pentecost, the first day in the life of the church. Joel chapter 2 is the text of the first Christian sermon. There in the streets of Jerusalem, crowded with people from all over the world, wondering what in the world is going on. All of these followers of Jesus are acting crazy. People thought that they were drunk. And Peter stands up and explains that what Joel had promised, it shall come to pass that I will pour out my flesh my, my spirit on all flesh, your sons and your daughters shall prophesy that that promise was being fulfilled that day in their, in, their, in their witness, in their seeing. On the day of Pentecost, what had been promised to come to pass came to pass, and the Holy Spirit was poured out on all kinds of people, not just on men, but also on women, not just on Jews, but also on Greeks, not just on adults, but also on children, on all kinds of people. And that happened as part of God's foretold plan of salvation that happened as a result of Jesus Messiah, his birth, his death, his resurrection, his ascension. And then Peter repeats in Acts 2.21, it's recorded for us, an ongoing promise. Another, it shall come to pass promise. The ongoing promise that we today still live under Acts 22, 21. It shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Have you been saved? Have you called upon the name of the Lord? Has there been a time in your life when you've cried out to God and said, Lord, save me. Save me from myself. I can't help myself. Two idioms in English, once upon a time for past events, and it shall come to pass for future events. This Sunday is the first Sunday of Advent. Advent is that four-week season in the church calendar before Christmas. The word advent simply means arrival or appearance. The birth of Jesus in Bethlehem was his first advent, but Jesus promised that he would return. And so the church in all times has waited for the second advent of Jesus. You and I live in the time between the first advent and the second advent, between the first Christmas and the second coming. During the season of advent, we 
the church prepare for and anticipate both the coming of the Christmas feast, we know when that will happen because it's fixed on our calendars, and we prepare for and anticipate the second coming of Christ, which will definitely happen, but at some indefinite time in the future. Even the angels and Jesus himself don't know when it's going to happen, but it will happen. It shall come to pass, and Christ will return in power and in glory. We don't know when, but we pray every day, come quickly, Lord Jesus. In our passage from the Gospel of Matthew, we overhear Jesus talking with his disciples. It's a private conversation on the Mount of Olives. Jesus has told them about the future. He's told them about the destruction of the temple, about the end of the age. And the disciples naturally wonder about these things. When's it going to happen? What are going to be the signs? When will the close of the age come? And Jesus says, concerning the day and the hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. That answer must have been a little bit disappointing to the disciples. Big things are coming, world-altering, world-ending things are coming, and even Jesus, the Son of God, can't tell us when. What Jesus didn't know, however, Harold Camping, the president of Family Radio, was sure that he knew. May 21st, 2011, was the big day. He solicited millions of dollars of donations from his listeners to buy billboards across the country announcing the big date. Maybe you saw the billboard on I-95 in Philadelphia. Camping, of course, was a false prophet. And we know the fate of false prophets. Of course, naming dates and hinting at times is a great way to sell books and videos and get people all excited. But real Christians are more discerning. Real Christians don't pay attention to self-appointed Bible scholars who speculate about times and dates of the second coming. Jesus is crystal clear. He doesn't No, and he's not telling us, and it's not for us to know. So anytime we spend time trying to calculate or make estimates about the second coming of Jesus is time that we have wasted. It's time that we have spent in defiance of what Jesus has instructed us as clear as day. It is not for us to know. Jesus himself doesn't know. But here is what we are supposed to know. The second coming of Jesus could be any day now. And so we need to be ready today. Are you ready, okay, for Jesus' return? Are you saved? When Jesus talked to the disciples about his return, he mentions Noah and the ark. We all know the story. For years, Noah preaches to an unbelieving world, and he patiently builds his ark. I don't know how long it took him, but then the day comes, the big day comes, and Noah and his family and the animals, they go into the ark, and Genesis 7, 17 says that the Lord shut the door. Oh. 
everything outside of the door perished. The ark, of course, is an image of the church. Inside the church is salvation and safety. The church is the body of Christ. The church is constantly inviting people into the body and there's an urgency about that invitation because we don't know what day Jesus will return. We don't know what day the door of the ark will be closed. You must be ready, Jesus says, when he was asked about when he would return. You must be ready because no one knows the day or the hour. I think there's a real danger For those of us who've been raised in the church, who have heard the gospel all of our lives and who take it for granted, there's a danger in being complacent. In thinking, you know what? I can put off the day of decision, the day of commitment, the day of redemption. You see, being born again involves repenting of a former life and turning and Starting a new life, certain facts have to be understood. Like all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Like the wages of sin are death. Like all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Not only do we need to understand the facts of the gospel, and those of us who've been raised in the church, we know the facts of the gospel. We have no excuse Not only do we need to understand the facts of the gospel, but we also need to make a decision. And I worry that some of us think that we can believe the facts and put off the decision. Sure, I know that Jesus is the Son of God and that his death on a cross pays for the sins of the church, but I'm not ready to take that step yet. I worry about that because the day will come unexpectedly when the door will be closed because Jesus will return like a thief in the night because anyone could die unexpectedly at any moment and then there is no more time. Then it's too late and everything is lost. Jesus said, What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world and lose their soul? That's why uh, the day of salvation is always today. Today is the day that we have. We don't know if we'll have tomorrow. And the longer that we put off the decision to follow Christ, the harder that decision becomes. That's just a fact of human psychology. There is a danger in waiting. Jesus came into this world on a rescue mission. He came to seek and to save those who are lost. We love Christmas. We celebrate the first advent because Jesus was God's way of sending salvation to us. Jesus came to us on a supernatural rescue mission. 
Jesus invited us into the ark. Jesus invites us to share in that salvation that he offers freely. Jesus said, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. Those are words of comfort that anybody can be saved, that no matter where we've been or what we've done, we can receive eternal life. Those are words of comfort that our God is not a God who desires the destruction of the wicked, who did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, that he actually wanted to see the world turned around, that he wanted to see us turned around. And he offers us that opportunity that amazing offer that by faith in Jesus Christ, we too can have eternal life. Who doesn't want that? But the very next verse, John 3, 18, strikes terror in the heart because Jesus says, whoever believes in the Son is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already. So here's the weird thing. If we don't make a decision, we still make a decision. Sitting on the fence is a decision. Not choosing to follow Christ, not deciding, you know what, I'm going to be a Christian. This is going to be my new identity. I'm going to announce it to the world. This is who I am. Not choosing to follow Christ is a choice. Maybe you think that you're just keeping your options open, but with God, it's always an either or. Either you believe in the Son and have eternal life, or you don't believe in the Son and you stand outside. We don't get to sit on the fence, and we don't have forever to make the decision that leads to life. And so we make it today. Jesus said, We do not know on what day Jesus is coming. Once Jesus returns, the time for choosing to follow Jesus is already over. And so we have to make that choice on this side of the second advent. Jesus will return as a surprise. He'll return as a thief in the night. We don't know when it's going to happen. Jesus says that two men will be working in the field. One will be taken and one will be left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and one will be left. Jesus said, you must be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour when you do not expect. So are we ready? Are you ready this morning? Advent is a time of anticipation. It's a time of preparation. We get geared up. For the Christmas holidays, we think during this time in a special way about the second coming. For those of us who are in Christ, it is our daily prayer that the Lord come quickly. For those of us who are not yet in Christ, today is the day of salvation. If you've not made that decision, I encourage you to do it today. If you don't know how to do it, you can speak with me after the service. But let's join our hearts together right now 
and uh, talk to God. Father God, we, wow, we marvel at you. We marvel at this world that you've made and we marvel at your bigness and your beauty and how high above it and how beyond this world that you are. And we marvel at your desire to have a relationship with us. The Bible tells us that we are made in your image. The Bible tells us that you want us to have a secure relationship with you. But we know that we, like sheep, have gone astray, that we have been inclined to follow our own ways. And so you sent a good shepherd to round us up, to find us. Lord Jesus, we recognize that we have no hope outside of you. We believe that your death on the cross pays for the sins of the church. And Lord Jesus, we pray that you would give us the faith to cling to you alone. Forgive us of our sins. Create in us a clean heart. Give us a new spirit. Let us be born to new life. And then come quickly. This we pray in your precious name. Amen. Amen.